Thanks, Terry. All right. I'll start again from the beginning. So we are starting a series called God's Heart, Your Home, okay? And uh, we're gonna be having a few different guest speakers as well. Next Sunday, uh, we're actually gonna be having a baby dedication. I'll give you one guess of who that might be. Um, you probably will get it. Um, so Pastor Allison is gonna be doing a baby dedication for us next week. Uh, my brother is also gonna be here. He is the senior executive pastor at Sanctus Church in Ajax, so I figure while he's here, get him to do some work. So he's gonna, he's gonna be preaching uh, next Sunday about Psalm 128. The Sunday after that is Mother's Day, and our very own Pastor Verna Proctor is gonna be giving the message, so I'm really excited about that. So that's gonna be great. Um, so make sure you sign up for your Mother's Day gifts as well, because it's going to be really good. Uh, we started our marriage course this past Wednesday. If you didn't sign up for it, you can still sign up if you'd like to attend. Um, one of the best things that you can do for your children and for your family is have a healthy marriage. One of the best things that you can do to invest into your kids is by having a healthy marriage. And so I wanna encourage you, uh, there's still some space if you'd like to sign up Wednesday evening. There's six more sessions. You can always catch up on the session uh, that you missed. There was a, 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 a young man, his name was Henry Martin, and he um, had a desire to serve the Lord. One day, uh, this was in the 1800s or so, uh, one day when he had gone to a church he sat in the church and he heard uh, the call of God to go to India to be a missionary. And he felt the Lord tugging on his heart. He felt the Lord speaking to him to say, Henry, you should be the one to go. By this time, he was engaged to a lovely young woman named Lydia. Now let me back up a little bit and say, Henry Martin was not a handsome person, okay? He had warts all over his face. He wasn't very pleasant to look at. But for some reason, this young lady, Lydia, fell in love with him, and they were going to get married. And as he um, heard the call of God to respond to this, he came to Lydia's house, and he knocked on the door and said, Lydia, God is calling me to go to India. Will you come with me? And she looked back at Henry Martin and said, Henry, I will go with you anywhere in the world except India. And he struggled with that. And he thought, how is this going to happen? How am I to respond to God's call? But I want to marry Lydia. And let me say, this was his one shot, right? Like, I don't think anyone else is going to be falling in love with him. So this was his chance. And as he struggled with it, with Lydia and India and the he ended up realizing it wasn't Lydia in India, it was Lydia or the will of God for his life. And so sadly and very reluctantly, he left her aside and he responded to the call of God and went to India. There he faced severe persecution. There he faced severe trials, but he was such an intelligent, smart man. He was able to translate the New Testament into three different languages before he died at the age of 31. He served the Lord and poured out his life for God. This is what he said in his journal. In the multitude of my troubled thoughts, I still saw that there was a strong consolation in the hope set before us. Let men do their worst. Let me be torn to pieces and my dear Lydia torn from me. 
or let me labor for 50 years amid scorn and never seeing one soul converted. Still, it shall not be worse for my soul in eternity, nor worse for it in time. Though the heathen rage and the English people imagine a vain thing, the Lord Jesus, who controls all events, is my friend, my master, my God, and my all. What a resolve that he had to answer the call of God and to serve the Lord. We're living in such a complex world in a complex time uh, right now. And as we study and look at families in the next uh, number of weeks, I wanted us to start off by talking about singleness because it's really important. If you look at this chart uh, by uh, statistics, um, you can see here that the, the column that's the tallest there is the number of people in Canada that are single. Okay, this is 2021. So you're looking at almost 18,000 people that are single, about 14 and a half, sorry, 18 million people that are single, about 14 and a half million that are married, and then you see divorced, widowed, separated. So if you add all of them together, divorced, widowed, separated, and single, there are a lot of people that are actually single. And a lot of times in the church, we just talk about family and marriage, and we leave the single people to a side, right? Now, I have a little bit of context to speak about this because I, I spent the majority of my life as a single man until very recently, and then my life changed completely, right? But what I want us to understand is in this context is to be able to understand this aspect of being uh, in part of a family and particularly for single people to be in part of a family and also the family of God, but also to understand this from a little bit more of an eternal perspective as well. Paul says this in Romans, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. He's talking about the family of God here and how we are all part of the family of God. We are all members of the family of God, whether we are single, whether we are married, whether we are uh, in a different stage in our life that maybe we hope we wouldn't be in. And for the single people that are here, you might have never been married, maybe you're widowed, maybe you're divorced. Right Now, this doesn't mean for all the married people, okay, I'm going to tune out now, tell me when it's over, I want my cupcake at the end. Right? No, because a lot of what I'm going to talk about is applicable to married people as well, but also you don't know what the future might hold as well. Right? Because you could be single for, your, for a season, you could be single for your whole life, but you could also return to singleness as well. But there's also single people that are surrounding you in your life that you could also be a blessing and minister to. So I want to talk about a few things this morning. The first thing is that Jesus has redeemed singleness. If you go back into the Old Testament and into biblical times um, before Jesus was around, singleness was actually looked down upon, right? People needed to be married. If you weren't married, there was something wrong. Even if you were married and you didn't have any children, you, there was something wrong there, right? It, married life was the norm. Married life is what people strove towards and, and that's what people wanted to do and people got married at very young ages as well. Jesus comes along as a single man and he redeems singleness. He gives value and worth to singleness. Now, all of us come from different backgrounds and we might come from a, a family background or a cultural background or even a societal background where views in, of marriage and family uh, that often devalue or look down upon singleness. But Jesus comes along and he turns it upside down, which he loves to do most of the time, right? 
He has an upside down kingdom. And what we are used to, what we are comfortable with, Jesus comes along and says, hold on, I'm going to turn it upside down, right? I'm going to change this. And he gives value and worth to singleness in a culture and society that didn't, right? And if you look through the biblical context as well, it's in a culture and society that people were, marriage was the default. Marriage is what people strove to actually have. And I want to ask you today as well, and our life groups are going to be examining some of this as well as you work through this this week. I want to ask you, what are your cultural defaults? What are your family defaults? What do you normally think when you think of married life and, and single people, right? As you saw the statistics, there's a number of single people in Canada. There's a number of single people here in our congregation, whether they've never been married, widowed, divorced, whatever state that they might be in. And so Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 19. He says, some are born as eunuchs, right? Or people that are not able to have sexual relations with others, okay? Some have made, them, made eunuchs by others, and some choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. So Jesus throws this in, and it's, it's, a, it's a radical, countercultural way of looking at family, when he gives value and worth to singleness, right? He says some people have chosen to not marry for what? For the sake of the kingdom of heaven. It's countercultural. It's radical. Here's Jesus again. He has a tendency to do this. He confuses the religious leaders. He confuses the teachers of the day. He does things that people don't expect. Jesus comes along and says, here, singleness that you guys just discard and devalue and leave down here. Hold on, I'm going to hold it up here and say, hey, there are some people that choose not to get married for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And that's an amazing, wonderful, awesome, glorious thing. And it changes the way that we look at, or we should look at, single people. We're coming out of Easter, and we looked at Isaiah 53 that actually talked about the suffering servant. And in that passage, it said this, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him, speaking of Jesus, and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. Hold on. Wasn't Jesus single? Why in the world is this verse that's prophesying about the suffering servant, saying that he'll have many descendants? He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hand. Hold on, this is something that's really stranger, but what, he's, what God is trying to do in prophecy is foreshadowing as we looked at glimpses of Calvary and we look back at the Old Testament. Now let's take something of the Old Testament, let's fast forward to the New Testament to see how Jesus is trying to give value and worth to singleness and how it's prophesied of in the Old Testament that says he will have many descendants, speaking about a spiritual family that comes because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Speaks about the family of God that is there because Jesus died for us and his blood unites us together as one. The next chapter, after this chapter of the suffering servant in Isaiah 53, the next chapter, Isaiah 54, look at what it says. It says, sing, O childless woman, you who have never given birth, break into loud and joyful song, O Jerusalem, you who have never been in labor, for the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband, says the Lord. That's an amazing verse contained in the Old Testament in a culture and time when if somebody was barren or desolate, there was something wrong with that person. And now here we see this prophecy of something that says, hey, there is some value and worth. If you are desolate, if you're barren, God can make you fruitful. 
in the family of God because of what Jesus did on Calvary, right? A couple chapters down, Isaiah 56, look at what he says here. For this is what the Lord says, I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy and who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. I will give them, those eunuchs, what is he going to give them? Within the walls of my house, a memorial and a name far greater than sons and daughters could give, for the name I give them is an everlasting one. Note those last words there. The name that I give is an everlasting one. It denotes this aspect of God's family that's eternal. Marriage is temporary. Singleness is temporary. God's family is eternal. And we need to be able to look at this through a different lens, through a different perspective, through God's eyes, through God's perspective of the eternalness of his family that lasts forever and ever. And regardless of if you are single or if you are married, God wants to do something in you to make you part of that family. Like the first verse that we read in Romans, that we are all part of that family of God. Singleness is temporary. Marriage is temporary. But relationship with Jesus, that's eternal. That's what counts. That's what is valuable. And that's what Jesus takes and exalts and lifts up. See, the ideal is not marriage. That's not the ideal state. That's not the goal. That's not the aim. The ideal is relationship with Christ. You could be married and have a terrible marriage and wish you weren't married. You could be single and be terrible, terrible as a single person and wish you were married or wish you were in some other state. Whether you're single or married, the ideal is relationship with Christ, right? If you, look, if you look back and compare the Old Testament with the New Testament, look at this. Expansion of earthly Israel was through physical reproduction, to be fruitful and multiply. God told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, be fruitful and multiply and inherit the earth. Your, your descendants will be like the sand that's on the seashore. Your descendants will be like the stars that are in heaven, right? You had to be part of that physical family to be able to call those promises your own. You had to be part of that. You had to be married to have children, right? But the expansion of God's eternal kingdom is not through physical children. It's through faith and Christ's redemptive work on Calvary. It's through disciple making. This is the difference in God's eyes that he brings us into the family of God. He brings us as part of his sons and daughters and calls us to be disciple makers because of what Jesus did on Calvary and makes us part of that family and gives us names better than sons of God and daughters in his eternal house. Isn't that amazing? Maybe you don't see it the way I see it. But this is God's work in our lives. And sometimes we can't see this because we're looking just through temporary lenses. Sometimes we can't see this because we're just looking and seeing, okay, well, I just need a family and I need children and everything. And I see the blessing here on earth. And that's great. And that's wonderful. In a couple of weeks time, I'm going to talk about marriage. But today we're talking about singleness. And to be able to see that God's family increases through disciple making. God's family increases by people giving their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. God's family increases, sons and daughters in the family of God increase 
because people repent of their sins and turn to Jesus and he says, come and welcome into my family. And that's why in Matthew 6, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Don't seek the single life. Don't seek the married life. Seek what? The kingdom of God. Have your priorities in the right way. Seek first God's kingdom and then he'll add everything else to you. Seek Jesus first. Jesus came to redeem singleness. It was devalued. It was looked down upon. And unfortunately, maybe even in the society that we live in, or in the culture that you come from, or in your own family background, you might think that as well, that singleness is devalued. And you might think that singleness is, is something that's not good. I want my children to be married. I want my friends to be married. I want everyone else to be married. And we can get into that thinking and mentality until we actually look through the eternal eyes of God and see how Jesus redeemed singleness because of what he did on, on Calvary. The second thing is that singleness is a gift, okay? Singleness is a gift. Paul says this, but I wish everyone were single just as I am, yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. So Paul was single. We don't know if he was a widower or, you know, if he was married at one time and then he became a widower, if he was just never married, we're, we're not particularly sure. And there's, you know, historians and theologians have different debates about that. But what we know is that at this time when he was writing first Corinthians, that he was single and he was like, I wish all of you were like me. Right. Elizabeth Elliot said this, if you are single today, the portion assigned to you for today is singleness. It is God's gift. Singleness ought not to be viewed as a problem nor marriage as right, God in his wisdom and love grants either as a gift. Whatever state you're in today, whether you've never been married, whether you're divorced or widowed, or whether you're married today, God has given that to you. And we live in that experience. And I want to encourage all the people that are single here today to leverage your singleness for kingdom purposes. Leverage your singleness towards the building of God's kingdom. Whatever state you might find yourself in, if you're married as well, this works. But particularly, as Paul says here, I wish that everyone was like I am because singleness is a gift, right? Because you can leverage that for kingdom purposes. How? Invest in your walk with God. As a single person, you can have more time to spend in prayer and Bible reading, right? As a single person, you can have opportunities to invest in your own personal life, whether that's going and studying at seminary or, or taking a Bible course or being involved in, in other types of groups and things like that. Invest in your walk with the Lord. Engage in disciple-making relationships, whether that's you being mentored or you mentoring someone else or you sharing God's gift of grace with others. Maybe you've never been married and it's great that you could be mentored by somebody else. Maybe you're here and you're widowed and you've gone through a lot of life experience and you have something that you can give to somebody else to build God's kingdom and you can mentor someone else towards that end. I want to encourage you to do that. Use your singleness for kingdom building purposes. Serve God and serve others. It's so important. Use your singleness to serve God, but use your singleness to serve others as well, to serve those that are around you. And can I ask you another thing to do? Take a risk for Jesus, right? When you're single, you can take risks because you don't have other responsibilities around you. You could take risks for things that maybe others couldn't do. 
When I was single, I lived in Ciudad Juarez for five years. It was the murder capital of the world. Down the street from 30 seconds from where I lived was a huge drug point. They sold computers as a front, but everybody knew outside, uh, behind, behind that, they were you know, selling drugs and everything like that. Now looking back, I wonder, what in the world? Like, how did I live there and survive there? But at the time, I knew I was doing God's will, and that's where God wanted me to be. Now, I'd have to reevaluate some of those things now that, you know, Laura's in my life, Joel is in my life. I'm a married person. It's something different now. Doesn't mean I won't do that again if God calls us to that. But there's different responsibilities to look at. Take a risk for Jesus. There's so many characters in the Bible um, that actually leveraged um, their uh, singleness for good. Paul says here, an unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. Probably around uh, 15 years or so ago, I was pastoring a church in New York City. And the church that I was pastoring had a number of young people that were really busy and they were in school and they had lots of schoolwork and they were working as well. And so a bunch of them were working at Burger King, okay? And I found it difficult to try to connect with them as their pastor. And so do you know what I did? They would close around 11 o'clock, 10, 11 o'clock. I can't remember exactly around 10, 11 o'clock. They would close the store and they had to stay for another couple of hours to clean up. So guess what Daniel did? Daniel went around 10, 11 o'clock at night to Burger King when the store was closed, went into the back door with the guys there, a bunch of guys from my church working there, and I sat with them while they cleaned and we chatted and talked and we fellowshiped. It was an opportunity for me to invest into them till midnight, one o'clock. I can't do that now. But I could when I was single and take the opportunity to invest in others even at that time late in the night because that's the time that they were available that's the time that I was able to connect with them. Here he says as well about women, single women, in the same way a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. There's so many characters in the Bible that we see that leverage their singleness for good. Here are a few of them. Jeremiah, he was given a tough task to do. Can you imagine if Jeremiah was married and having to prophesy and get beaten and being thrown into cisterns and all of those things, his wife wouldn't have been really happy about that, right? Ruth, she was single, then she was married, then she was widowed, then she was married again. In that time of widowhood, Ruth committed herself to her mother-in-law to bless her, to walk with her, to support her, to be there for her. She was able to do that because she was a widow. Nehemiah, God gave him a charge, a burden within his heart, build the walls of Jerusalem. So he went and he did it. He got a vision that God gave him and he responded right away to that vision. Daniel, not this Daniel, Daniel in the Bible, he was given a tough task as well, but he was elevated in the kingdom and he could make a difference in Babylon because God had put him there in, in that single state. Mary Magdalene, she traveled with Jesus. The Bible says there was a bunch of women that traveled with Jesus, that ministered to Jesus out of their possessions. She was a blessing to Jesus and the disciples as she traveled with them and was able to uh, bless Jesus in his ministry. John the Baptist. How many women here, you'd like a nice diet of locusts and wild honey? Right? Probably not. But John being a single man, he could get away with it. Right? Locusts and wild honey. Anna. She was a widow in the Bible. She spent her time in the house of God, in the temple of the Lord, praying and interceding for others. She could do that because she was a widow. 
and she could devote more time to praying and seeking the Lord. Paul the Apostle, you know, we can say so many things about Paul, but pretty sure if Paul was married and then getting stoned and beaten and, and whipped and all of those things in his church planting days, probably not the most conducive for family life, right? But Paul was able to leverage his singleness for good, right? Dorcas, we read in the book of Acts, she made these garments and she was a blessing to so many people because as a single woman, she was able to minister to tons of people. And need I say more about Jesus, right? Who is our greatest and best example? In the book of, um, in the book of Romans, it says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Leverage your singleness for good right? Leverage your singleness to help others. The next thing, singleness is difficult, okay? Singleness is difficult. Whether you've never been married, it's tough. If you are divorced, there's a grieving process. If you're widowed, there is a grieving process. Singleness is tough. If you've never been married, there's a grieving process sometimes there as well as you wait, wait, wait in hopes of maybe being married if that's what your desire is. But Peter writes, about, Peter writes about trials, and he talks about it here in 1 Peter 1. It says, there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. See, we'll all go through trials. Singleness is difficult, but here's a little bit of foreshadowing for a message in a few weeks' time when we talk about married life. Married life is difficult too. Right? So you're not escaping the trials whichever way. There's trials and there's difficulties in both. But there is also a grieving process uh, as well. And, and, and look at what he says here in the next couple of verses. He says, you love him even though you've never seen him. We go back to this thing about our relationship with Christ is the primary thing. Whether you're married, whether you're single, the relationship with Christ is the primary thing. Seek first the kingdom of God, right? The eternal relationship that lasts forever. Singleness is temporary. Marriage is temporary. Relationship with Christ is eternal. And so he says here, you love him though you've never seen him. And though you don't see him now, you trust him. In your singleness, trust him. Long for him. Look for him. Delight in him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward of trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. The reward of trusting him, the reward of relationship with Christ, is an eternal reward of salvation for your souls. Right? Being in a human family is not a sign of eternal blessing. Being in God's family is. I'll say that again. Being in a human family, and we all go through struggles and trials, and maybe you grew up in a family that had a lot of trials and difficulties, and maybe you grew up in a broken home, maybe you grew up without a father or a mother or whatever the situation might be. Um, we all go through trials and difficulties. And God puts us in families, but being in a human family is not a sign of eternal blessing. Being in God's family is the eternal blessing. Family here is temporary. Marriage here is temporary. Singleness here is temporary. Look at what, look at what uh, going back to this verse in Isaiah 53, I've always, I, I, I've always thought about this part of this verse. It says, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. 
It was God's plan to crush Jesus. It was God's plan to cause Jesus grief. Whether you are single and never married, whether you are divorced, whether you are widowed, there is a grieving process. Friends, embrace that. Allow the grief to go through your life. It's a good thing. You find the love of Jesus in the grieving process. You find the presence of Jesus in a grieving process. Don't push it away. If you're single and you're grieving, God wants to work something good in your life, in that process. Embrace your singleness, okay? Sometimes people can be living and saying, okay, I'm single, I'm just waiting until I go to the next stage to get married. No, embrace your singleness. Accept what God has for you. Proverbs says it this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not uh, depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Live in the moment. Sometimes we can always be living for the future. Sometimes we can always be living for the next season, for the next opportunity. Oh, I wish my life was like this, right? Oh, I wish I was married. Oh, I wish I had children. Oh, I wish I had a better wife. Oh, I wish I had better kids, right? And you could always be living for the next season. But no, embrace your singleness. Embrace this by being part of God's family. Look at what Jesus says here. He says, Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And then he pointed to the disciples and said, look, these are my mother, my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Friends, this is so critical and so important because it's the eternal, it's the family of God that is eternal. Family here is temporary. Marriage here is temporary. Singleness here is temporary. But the family of God is eternal and lasts forever and ever and ever. So let's embrace it now. Let's live this now. Paul tells Timothy, treat the older men as fathers the older women as mothers, the younger as sisters, the younger men as brothers, in all purity, in all holiness. Look what Paul says about the church in Corinth. He says, for even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. Paul is claiming fatherhood for them. He's saying, you are my children. You're part of this family right? He, he says something similar to the church in Thessalonica when he talks about how he cared for them as a mother cares for her nursing children, how he cared for them as part of the gospel. He, he looks at the eternal word of God, equates it to a temporal family that we understand, and says by coming into this eternal family, these relationships last forever and ever. And so embrace it now, Dear people of God, look and see what God is doing in our lives. And the next, understand your value in Christ. Sometimes for single people, sometimes you could face harsh comments from people. I don't even want to tell you the comments that I've heard myself as a single pastor for many years. The kind of things that people told me. I don't even want to repeat it because you would think, what, Christians said those things to you, Daniel? Yes, Christians in church. And sometimes comments can come and things can be said and it makes you feel devalued. It makes you feel like you're broken. 
It makes you feel like you're not enough. But I want you to understand, single people here especially, if you've never been married, if you're divorced, or if you're widowed, that you are valuable to God. The grief and brokenness that you have experienced and gone through, God wants to use for good, but he loves you regardless of all of that because he is your father and he cares for you as his children. Look at what it says in Psalm 139. You, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. There's so many times as single people you could think, I'm broken, no one loves, will anyone love me? I'm ugly, or I don't have this, or I have this fault, or I have this failure. Well, let me tell you that Jesus loves you. That you are valuable and precious in his sight. A few months ago, we did a whole series on this, about our identity in Christ and how we're valuable to the Lord. Look what, look, what it says in so, uh, look what it says in Song of Solomon. It says, you are altogether beautiful, my darling, beautiful in every way. See, your value and worth is not determined by your singleness or by your marriage. Can you imagine if it was? All the married people are thinking, oh man, yeah, my marriage is not that good. Or if you have a good marriage and you think, oh, then that means I'm much better? No. It, it, your value and worth is not determined by your singleness or by your marriage. It is based on who you are in Christ and what God says about you. We looked at this verse when we were doing our series on identity in Peter, how we're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. God has called us. God has chosen you. Your identity is in him, not in the, in the marital state that you're in or the lack thereof. He loves you for who you are, who he's created you to be. Seek contentment in Christ, right? There's no human being that can fulfill your deepest desires and expectations. Only Jesus can. No human being can fulfill that. Only Jesus can. That's why Jesus gave us this commandment. He gave us this commandment not in, in terms of just wanting us to love God, but he gave us this commandment to direct our hearts to what's priority, what's first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. This is the greatest commandment. He said this not because he's egotistical, not because he's self-centered, not because of any of those things. He said this because he wants to direct our hearts into what is good and right. And that if we would love him first and put him as our priority, then everything else will fall into place. C.S. Lewis said it this way. If we, find within our, if we find ourselves, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. This is what we're talking about having this eternal view. This is what we're talking about when we talk about the family of God that's eternal and the things here that are temporal. I'm not trying to devalue singleness. I'm trying to lift it high. I'm not trying to devalue marriage. I don't want to lift that high. We are running a marriage course, and we'll talk about marriage in a few weeks as well. But what I want us to see is that more than singleness and more than marriage, it's relationship with Christ that ultimately counts the most. That's eternal. That's everlasting. That's what he wants us to have. In Psalm 16, it talks about, you'll show me the way of life, granting me joy in your presence and pleasures of living with you forever. 
Worship team, please come. As we prepare to sing to the Lord. Paul, Paul said something amazing about this. This is what he said. He said, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Everything else is worthless. The one thing that's the most important priority is knowing Jesus, is loving Jesus, is walking with Jesus. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. This is the most important thing. I'll close with this quote by St. Augustine. And I think it's reflective of our hearts. Can we all stand? He said this, You, O Lord, have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. If you're single today, marriage is not going to solve your problems. If you're single today and you think, if I was only married, then this would be better and that would be better and the other thing would be better, that's not going to solve your problems. Jesus can solve your problems. Our hearts are restless until we rest in him. Remember what Jesus says about you, that you are called, you are chosen, you are not forsaken. He loves you with an eternal love. Let's sing to the Lord.